Hello everyone, this is Jacob Popio, the producer of The Apex. In this episode, Jan interviews Ed the Rainmaker Robinson. Robinson is a nationally recognized speaker and has been transforming professionals into leaders and leaders into rainmakers. This episode, they answer what is a rainmaker, share Robinson's four-step process to make it rain, also how to win the race, R-A-C-E. If you want to support us, there are three ways to do so. One is to donate to our cause at www.patreon.com backslash the Apex Podcast. Second, visit our merch line that is proudly partnered with Envision Clothing Company at envisionclothingcompany.com. The other is completely free. All we ask is if you learn something from this episode or know someone that needs to hear our message, share it with them. Please subscribe and hope this pushes you toward your Apex. Welcome, Apex Chasers, to another episode of the Apex Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jan Almasy, and today, seated across the table from me, is actually not my co-host and partner in crime, Mr. RJ Holiday, but a dear friend of my family's, an accomplished speaker, a board member, a business owner, an entrepreneur, my friend, Mr. Ed Robinson. Ed, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. Appreciate you having me. It's always a pleasure to reconnect and stay focused on growing and entrepreneurship. So thanks for having me here. Amen to that. So um, why don't we just start off with, um, you know, everybody always talks about what you're doing now and everything else, but we'll rewind it a little bit and just say, where are you from? No, I'm, while we're here in Ohio, I am, I'm from Youngstown, Ohio. Um, went to Cardinal Mooney High School there and um, Grew up on the south side of, of Youngstown, went to Walsh, um, came to Walsh with what I call a 50-50 scholarship, 50% academic and 50% athletic. Hmm. Played basketball here and um, majored in accounting. Um, left here, went to work for several companies, um, got my CPA, started, uh, um, worked as a controller, Worked as a controller for oil and gas. I worked for Union 76. Worked for NCR Corporation. Um, moved to Texas 1981 and lived in San Antonio, Texas, where I was a regional controller for a computer company called DataPoint. Nice. And it was from DataPoint that I stayed there for, for a while until they were purchased and moved their headquarters from San Antonio to Nice, France. That was when it was time for me to start my own business. Well, that's one heck of a move. <laughs> it was. Yeah. Um, man, so that's actually when we, I had no idea that you were friends with my father, right? Until, yeah. what, six, well, going on seven years ago now. Uh-huh. First time that we ever got the chance to interact was when I graduated basic training. In that San was Antonio. seven years ago? Yeah. Wow. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I'm a tech um, sergeant now. Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. That, it, a true indicator that time flies. It right. really does. That's what I was just thinking. I, and it didn't pop into my head until we, we started talking just uh-huh. now. But I was like, I was trying to think, when is the first time that I actually met Ed? Uh-huh. Right. Because my dad's known you since the 70s. Exactly. But exactly. I got to meet you in San Antonio after I graduated boot. And right. I'm like forced to wear my dress blues off base and everything else. And I... In a hundred and five degree heat. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, and um, 
But at, like I said, at this point, I, I've been the non-commissioned officer in charge of training for going on three years now. So mm-hmm. that's a group of like 30 to 50, you know, new enlistees. I mm-hmm. train them up on uh, leadership values and, and critical thinking and stuff like that before they go to boot. Super. So I've been training the kids going to boot okay. for three years now. Very nice. That's any Very indication, nice. you know, of time. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, time flies. It really it, does. It does. So why don't um, we'll just dive right in, I think, to um, your keyword, I guess, to say is, is Rainmaker. Right. So yeah. where did that come from? <clears throat> Forgive me. Um, rainmaking is really part of my profession as a CPA, as an accountant, or if you're in the professional service world, um, accounting, law, financial services. Rainmakers are those people within the organization who brings revenue in the organization. A rainmaker, basically, typically accountants are not fond of sales and Mm-hmm. business development. So the rainmaker is the person who goes and pursues the large contracts, gets those contracts, and then spreads it out around the, the organization for other people to actually do the work. Um, the rainmaker also does the work, but he typically delegates that as he continues to pursue other business. Right. So my perception of a rainmaker is someone who takes a proactive eff- makes a proactive effort to grow and develop business and the revenue of an organization Hmm. so um and that was that was just kind of like when you when they made that move to france mm -hmm. you decided okay it's time to start my own business this is was that the original concept or is that just something that you landed on that stuck and then you pursued it well actually it was it was a two-phase process when the company i was working for moved to france i decided to start my own practice okay so and in the 80s, I opened up an accounting practice where we did financial and accounting and tax work for small and medium-sized businesses. So for from for about eight years, we provided for about 350 small and medium-sized businesses okay. their financial statements, their bank reconciliations, their taxes, their advice, their all a bunch of things that just IRS go way over my head. Everything yeah. <laughs> that a small business needed for financial stability or to get loans or mm-hmm. to get financial aid with a bank had to come to our office and we would put those financial statements together. Well, I did that um, and within four or five years, we were one of the fastest growing accounting firms in Southwest U.S. Mm. And so I started to get this onslaught, if you will of people saying, Ed, how did you grow so fast? And I started helping a lot of people grow their business. Well, in the early 90, or actually it was around 1990, I found myself spending more time helping other people grow their business than my own. So I sold my business and started this consulting of rainmaking professional services where we're helping people make it easy to bring in business. People are very daunted, if you will, by I have to go out and sell or I have to be a business developer. I have to grow a business. So we make it a simple process so that they can come in, learn a four-step process to sell, see that it's all about building relationships and shift into that rainmaking mode. Right. Well, and that's what I think. I mean, and, and you've kind of been a mentor to me over the last three 
probably three years more specifically since I started. It started with the blogging and then it kind of grew mm-hmm. grew from there. But that was one of the things that um, that we're trying to do at this point is convince people that it doesn't need to be difficult. The messaging or the branding doesn't need to be difficult for them to get their message out to, in order to attract people in. It's actually most of the time overcomplicated. People think that it needs to be um, super detailed or it needs to mm-hmm. have all like avenues covered and stuff like that. But um, what we found is is we're in working with people. It's generally the the simplest messages, like you said, a four step process. Yeah. A lot of times that people can adhere to the most, and mm-hmm. it's easier for them to understand and latch on to. Absolutely. Rather than giving somebody a pamphlet that is, I mean, it looks like a contractor. And then nobody can understand it and nobody can implement it. Well, there's a rule um, in psychology and um, just human learning or adult learning that people can remember up to seven things, Um, just Mm -hmm. seven numbers, seven things. But if the sweet spot is really three to five. So four, we because I used to have a, Right now, my my four step selling process is about making it rain. So it's R A I N. It used to be success, and it was a seven step process. And I found right. people who are not really engaged in selling, seven steps was just too long. And if in fact they just had to learn how to make it rain, building rapport, asking the right questions, implementing a solution, and negotiating the next step makes it so easy for them to just go into a normal dialogue conversation, build the relationship and move to the next right. level. And I, I actually, this is super cool because I just interviewed a gentleman down in Knoxville, Tennessee. Mm. His name's Jim Cawhorn. Okay. And he owns this company called graphic creations. Mm-hmm. Um, he talked about in his interview about how he actually, that there's not a lot of people that train their delivery drivers on anything but delivery. Mm-hmm. Right. But his delivery drivers, you know, they have to wear khakis. They have to um, be dressed in company attire and stuff. And they all go through a mini sales course. So because he's like the delivery driver is the last person that that person interacts with. Absolutely. They need to leave a positive vibe, but then also be trained enough that if a customer starts asking questions, they can pick up on that. They're intrigued and then sell. So training all the way down to the delivery driver level and making that process simple enough that anybody in your organization can implement it, not just thinking that you have a dedicated sales force. Yeah, and and that really lends itself to what do you consider to be the true values of your company? So apparently customer service is a major aspect of this delivery company. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. You may remember a quote um, by Jan Carlson. Jan Carlson used to be the, I think it's Scandinavian Airlines when he came in and helped them come out of bankruptcy and become a solvent airline. And he looked for what he called moments of truth. What are those moments of truth, those interactions that customers have or clients have with the company that determines whether or not they're going to have a favorable impression or a negative impression. And delivery right. apparently is one of those. Um, in addition to working with uh, accounting firms, law firms, and bankers, I've worked with other um, sales groups. Mm-hmm. One of my clients is called Unigroup, which is the parent for Mayflower and United Van Lines. So they do moves around the world. Right. And just like your delivery truck, 
uniform becomes important, the name recognition, person who's coordinating it, they want to make sure that they have a good, let's just say a good posture, a good image, and a good brand recognition and reputation in the marketplace. Right. Regardless of what phase of moments of truth it is, at the beginning, the end, or at the final delivery, because that moment of truth is what other people talk about. And hopefully it's talked about in a positive fashion. Well, and that's what we've kind of been focusing on here. And there's been a a lot of people asking us because we've only been around Apex Communications, Mm -hmm. right? Has been around for about a year. Um, And that's just from like Shell Corporation, LLC. I mean, a year, not like actually a business model for a year. We developed that, you know, in the last three Mm -hmm. months. But people are asking, okay, how were you able to get from college graduate two science majors got together mm-hmm. and figured out how to brand themselves in a way over the course of about eight months and leverage that simple brand recognition, name recognition, kind of feeding everything into that cyclic loop to where the podcast feeds into the, you know, the, the studio, the studio feeds into this, this feeds into that. Everywhere people interact is the name recognition and it starts kind of ticking to getting to the point where you're now meeting with clients and implementing. But it's, it's, it's like you said, it, it, it comes down to those minor details, right? The uniform matters. The person that's coordinating it matters. The way that you talk about it matters. Everything, the every small little piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it all, it all adds mm-hmm. up. Like my grandpa used to say back in the day, it's just like if people, and, and this is, you know, he said if people can't trust you with the small things, they're never going to trust you with the large ones, right? And so for us, it's like if you can't execute the minor details of the brand, Absolutely. It's, it, nobody's going to recognize it. And with the way that the world is shifting with, you know, um, AI, Alexa, mm-hmm. all these different things, brand recognition is going to be everything Absolutely. in Absolutely. the next five. Um, it, it, and it is today. It is yeah. today a lot. Um, a lot of positive things are happening around brands, but a lot of collapses are happening around brands. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in fact, there's a negative, you have a negative um, news as it relates to your brand. It takes a major impact. And um, the larger you are, the larger the impact. So we, it is important. And you have to take, um, take heed to those small things as well. Yeah. So um, if, as we're kind of talking about this brand recognition and sales and, and brand making and everything else, I want to, I'm curious about, um, you know, billboards are kind of a, message of the past mm-hmm. almost at this point. I don't know if anybody actually pays attention to them while you're driving down the highway because a lot of them are cluttered. They're hard to read. Mm-hmm. You know, There's a lot of bright images and you're just focused on the car in front mm-hmm. of you. But if we could teleport back 20 years and people are reading every single one of those billboards and you had a message that you wanted to get out to as many people as possible, what would you put on a billboard for people to read? That's an interesting question, um, especially for me because... The foundation of my business for the last 30 years is based on certain values and certain things that I hold sacred and I feel people need to um, incorporate into their lives. And right. um, I base it on a quote. The quote that I would have on that billboard would be, individuals carry their success and their failure with them. It doesn't depend on outside conditions. And mm-hmm. then I would have... I find of those, quote, four critical values that I align with the word race. 
R for take responsibility. Right. Be A, accountable. Take ownership of those things that we're responsible for. C, recognize there's consequences to our actions. And E, focus on excellence. How can you be better today than you were yesterday and look towards tomorrow for being even better? So that mm -hmm. would be my billboard. That's awesome. And there's a lot of those. Some of those concepts are super simple. And I mm -hmm. always kind of chuckle when um, I listen to either, you know, these massive speakers like Simon Sinek's huge, mm -hmm. um, has been for a couple of years now. Um, but a lot of these ideas, and, and, and they'll even admit to it, are very Plato, mm -hmm. Socrates, Aristotle. Mm -hmm. um, Donald Miller just wrote a book called Story Brand. Mm -hmm. Um, and he straight up says, like, this is um, Aristotle. He's like, I, I took that and adapted it for this century, mm -hmm. but it's essentially how to build a story. Yeah. You know, those seven types of stories have been around for thousands right. of years. And those principles, the race principles, have been around for a long time, and it's just if you take those, those principles, right. Right, right, and apply it to your model, mm -hmm. and then it sticks for people because it seems to be those simplest concepts are the ones that are the most easily forgotten and, and going in and reminding people that they're important and then giving them that model to link it to uh -huh. can really increase the effectiveness of an organization. I think so. And, I, and in addition to that model is helping them recognize the bridge that crosses, that takes that model to their application in their real life. Because you know, mm -hmm. a lot of people say, okay, race, you know, taking responsibility. You know, there's a lot of people when things go their way, they'll take responsibility. It's easy to take I own responsibility. it, right? Yeah. Um, but when things don't go their way, they'll say, you won't believe what happened, what they did to me this time. Do we take responsibility mm -hmm. when things are going well as well as when things are going bad and step up to the plate and say, what can I do to adjust my thinking and my actions so I get a better result next time? Right. And there's a, um, I was just talking to one of the professors at Walsh not too long ago, and there's a, can't remember the name of the woman that implemented it, but she came up with the word shivit. Shivit. Shivit, right? Yeah. Oh, shit, pivot. Uh -huh. <laughs> and it's, um, I 110, between the military experience and being an ICU nurse and everything uh -huh. like that, there is, I'm, people, you know, when I first started this, people were like, you're a nursing major. What are you mm -hmm. doing? Right. But I said that, and I tell people all the time, nursing is the perfect ground for somebody that wants to do communications mm -hmm. because our entire schooling is focused on empathizing with your end user. Yeah. You know, I, I know how to empathize with my patients. Uh -huh. And I just translated that into the communication sector where it's, I have been through four years of schooling and I also have the minor in clinical psych where it's just my entire background and my at the hospital I have to be able to walk into a room and within a couple of minutes feel that person uh -huh. out figure out what they're going through what they need and how I need to approach them in order to foster that relationship yeah. right and if there's there's no time to second guess you need to critically analyze and then start acting because if somebody's eyes roll back in their head and they fall back in the yeah. bed you can't just stand there, right? You have to, oh, shit, that just happened. Yeah. Time to yeah. pivot, right? And I apply that into the business world. I love that phrase. Yeah, I can see Because that. it's just, there's why. so many people that can't take things in stride. Right. Right. And the easiest way to take things in stride is to accept the responsibility that 
I may have caused mm -hmm. that. My bad. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Sorry, guys. Right. Definitely probably had something to do with that. And then and, move on. And, and pivot to, and, to yeah, adjust. And, exactly. Or you can stand there and point fingers at everybody and refuse to pivot. Exactly. And then nobody's getting anything accomplished. And everybody believes that you're trying to use everyone else as a scapegoat. Exactly. Because all of your peers, I guarantee, are like, that guy definitely had something. To yeah. do with that. <laughs> right. Yeah, so that, yeah, that's an interesting concept. I work for, yeah. um, I've done work for hospitals. And there was a um, hospital in Austin, Texas that I was doing some work for. And they were having retention problems with their nurses. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the, we, we did a, a very simple, I, I think that when people have jobs that are in line with their passions and values, money becomes secondary, but the quality of your job and whether or not you're doing the work that you're called to do will create glue that makes you stick around for a longer period of time. Right. I like that. So one of the things that I asked them is if they were having a – having new hires tie their values to what they felt the job was. And I saw on the wall that the company had a set of values for not only the hospital, but that specific unit. And it simply said, I care. And I care went through the five values that were integrity, um, caring, accountability, respect, um, empathy. Those are the things they expected their nurses to have. And I said, mm -hmm. when you're hiring these people, are you giving them a, um, a list of 12 oh. values that are important and having them check to see which ones are important to them? And if those do not show up, or at least four, three of, three of the five are not showing up, then we really shouldn't hire that person. And that, right. that change shifted their attrition threefold um so yeah minor shifts if people and the military is super focused on that hospitals mm -hmm. i mean any any company really is super mm -hmm. focused on it but um you get to the point where if, like you said if somebody's doing something that they feel called mm -hmm. to do way different than reporting to a job absolutely on a daily absolutely. basis absolutely so right um, okay, so we'll move to uh, another question here. Um, we have a lot of readers, you know, in our um, in our audience, and so I'm going to have you pick a book that has influenced, and, and and I'll expand it beyond business decisions. Right? Okay, we'll just say a book that has influenced your life in the last decade that somebody should read, and it can't be Million Dollar Rainmaker. Okay, <laughs> I don't know why not. Um, yeah. Actually, I'm going to tie that around something you said. You had mentioned okay. the book on storytelling. Mm -hmm. Storytelling is not a new concept at all. Matter of fact, if you go to scriptures, um, Christ used storytelling and parables to bring to share most of the concepts of his teachings. Right. So there was a book called The Instant Millionaire. It has nothing to do with money has everything to do with mindset. So I read a book called The Instant Millionaire by Mark Fisher, probably some 25 years ago. 
that had a major impact on me to the extent that three of the four books I've written has been in parable format to do just Mm -hmm. that, to tell a story so that people can find themselves in that story so that they can actually move towards some action or some call to action based on a parable they have. Or the whole thing on the instant millionaire um, takes people through all their fears, all their challenges. And that book allowed me to see things that were in my blind spots that became very focused. I became very focused on um, and recognizing that a lot of people have blind spots. And when you can acknowledge those blind spots and people put it in story form, that story form that has some universal appeal, it comes to you. So the book I would pick would be The Instant Millionaire along with the the scriptures or, or whether it's Bible, the Quran, you look at it, there's all types of parables that are teaching yeah. lessons. And I like with storytelling being, and you, and you said it very well right there, that people can find themselves in the story. That's what makes music a universal concept. Absolutely. People can find themselves in music and songs. Um, I think just, human nature is to try to identify a relationship with another person, Mm -hmm. right? And one of the best ways that we can do that is through telling stories or through music Mm -hmm. or um, being vulnerable. That's one of the principles that I talk about all the time with, with the apex communications is when you are communicating, if people feel as if you're being either facetious Mm -hmm. or you're not being true to what your actual thought process is, because we know that there's, there's people that say one thing and their actions are different. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I tell people, I was like, if you're going to put out communication with this, Mm -hmm. you're going to put out a show, you're going to put out this do, is that a direct reflection of how you actually operate? Because if it's not, then the show probably isn't, going to do super well because it may take off for a small amount of time but we live in a world that is very interconnected and you can find a crazy amount of crap on google so it's like back in the day the marketing scheme for a product Mm -hmm. was flashy biggest ad possible Mm -hmm. you know the person that had the coolest looking paper ad was a person that sold the most product even if that product was crap Mm -hmm. Because it took so long for people to delegate out that this is a crap product mm-hmm. that they could sell enough volume and then put out, you know, oh, sorry, we know that product is crap here. We fixed this one issue. We're going to put out the next version. Now, if you have a crap product or you're a crap person, you put that out on the internet, you get one-star reviews on Amazon, nobody buys your stuff. Yeah. Because that feedback is instantaneous. And that, that storytelling and allowing people to come in and find themselves in your story, mm-hmm. as long as that story is true to what you stand for, like you said, it's based off of those internal values, mm-hmm. a lot of times they, they're successful. Absolutely. Um, I, I have a philosophy that I try to live to. And here's one. Um, several philosophies, but here's one. For instance, I had a pretty tough summer. When you have tough times, you go back to whatever is your truth. And one of my truths comes from a, um, a guy who I have a lot of respects for. His name was Carl Hammerschlag. And Carl did a speech one time, and it was called, How Do You Come to Every Day with Joy? 
And coming to every day with joy is an exercise in going back to whatever your truth is. And if you share your truth and you're transparent to your truth, it makes your mind, in, keeps your mind in balance. So you don't have to worry about what you said because you know it came from the, the truth of your heart and you don't have to remember as much. And if you can be authentic to whatever that purpose is, your truth, your joy, your passion, you really don't have to reboot and say, what was I thinking? What did I do? Um, so collectively, if in fact you can be honest and be true to you, mm-hmm. be true to the conversation you're having, um, just makes you have to remember less. And right. you remember right. less, it keeps your, your mind free of garbage. Yeah, it ke- and, and you're able to focus Absolutely. more, I think, on, on the things that actually matter. There's a lot of, uh, and we see it in, in we don't have a, a mental health unit. Well, I, we have a mental health unit, but a lot of um, patients with psychological issues are being delegated out throughout mm-hmm. the hospital mm-hmm. systems, and that's happening nationwide. Um, but sometimes those people that come in are so caught up in alternate types of realities or, or, you know, and that's a diagnosed mental Mm -hmm. illness. Um, We sometimes put ourselves in a state that is almost like that diagnosed mental illness where we have four different storylines happening at once. Mm -hmm. And now we can't figure out which storyline we're supposed to be acting as. Whereas like, I mean, I'm sitting in this interview in jeans and and cowboy Mm -hmm. boots, right? And I go to meetings in jeans and cowboy boots the majority of the time. If I get invited to an event, I'll dress up. But that's that's yeah. me, you know. And I've I've been kind of true to that since we started mm-hmm. the company, where it's just I this is my storyline, you know. I know what I know. I know that I'm young. I know that I have this going on. But people have been latching onto it, where it's just okay. I know what to expect. Mm-hmm. The authenticity is there. Yeah, it, it, there's a fine line between truth and the essence of who you are mm-hmm. to respecting who you're speaking to or who you're meeting to. Exactly. Um, yep. I mean, and that's where if like, if somebody is, you know, putting on an event, my rule of thumb is, is if I invite you to my event, this is where right. I am. If you're inviting me to your event and I know what the rapport is going mm-hmm. to be at that event, I've got a designated wardrobe right. for that right. kind of stuff. Um, I give you a friend since I've spoken over 46 countries, different different atmospheres. Um, um, I have spoken in Hawaii on a multiple times. Today, I will never wear a suit into Hawaii and do it because it is such a casual event. Um, and one time I wore a suit and tie and got my tie cut off, um, recognizing that you have to adhere to the the business attire of the day. And sometimes it's just a, uh, a shirt and pair of slacks with a sport coat right. as opposed to the tie. And um, you're going for their comfort, not your comfort. Exactly. Exactly. The UOD, yeah. the uniform of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, what is, and we'll split this up into a couple of different arenas. Okay. Here. Um, we always talk about money, time, and energy, right? Those mm-hmm. are kind of, if you can, almost always have two of the three, but it's kind of, uh, you can't really have an equilateral triangle, Mm -hmm. almost. You can have a lot of 
time and money, but then you don't have a lot of energy or you have a lot of energy, but not a lot of money and time because you're sleeping a lot, you know? So, um, if you had to pick one of the best investments that you've ever made, it can be of either money, time, um, or energy, but, um, or it could be all three Mm -hmm. if that's what you choose. So energy, money, and time. Energy, money, and time. One of the best investments you've ever made. I'll tell you, 1980, it all shifted. Mm -hmm. 1980 was the birth of my first son. You become a parent and you have children. All of my money, my time, and my interests shifted to investing in their success. Um, As you know, I'm on the board of directors for the university. And... um, and for those listening, that's um, Walsh University here in North Canton. And um, the new president shared a, an acronym that I um, was not familiar with. But it reflected, if you will, the um, avatar of our future enrollees, A. But it also, I also found myself in that. And it was called FLY. Hmm. And I'm hoping I'm not out of school saying this because it was it did, it was mentioned in a board meeting. And I'm sure he has reflected it in the past. But first generation low income, hmm. and that seems to be one of the things that we focus on is bringing those first generation students here to create a different lifestyle and a different. Let's just say a different success story for those we bring here. So I came as a first generation, my family going to college, but I created my three boys. My oldest son is in the C-suite for a major bank out of Charlotte. My middle son owns a um, recruiting and staffing company for IT. I'm out of Texas. And my youngest son, I always call him my baby, my baby is six seven, two hundred and eighty five pounds, <laughs> and thirty two years old. Um, yeah. But and he's a vice president for a in of sales for a um, a payroll company. And I bring that because one of the things my grandmother always said was, "Education will get you to where you want to be." And mm-hmm. if you pay attention to something that constantly educates you it will give you the leverage or the springboard to your own successes and the successes of generation beyond you. So I feel as though um, my best investment has ever been is investing in my kids. And it's not just time and money, but the love, the energy to their success. And at the same time, giving them the the wings to fly to be successful. And once you have done that, it liberates you. I, I, I feel as though I can leave this planet knowing that I have developed a better, let's just say, succession plan of my generation. It's like, it's like your legacy. Most almost. definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how much money I accumulated. I have developed a model of success in my family so that my sons, I have a grandson who's a sophomore at the University of North Carolina, who in pre-law, I, I know that he's on that same pattern 
of future success, right? Yeah, it's it's being the. I uh, when I gave the commencement address at Walsh in 2018, one of the lines that mm-hmm. I used was, "If you're proud of your last name, go out into the world and represent it well." Absolutely. If you're not proud of your last name, be the one to change the perception of your last uh, name. Huge message. Huge message. Mm-hmm. And pushing that out and just saying, listen, you're sitting in this graduation chair. Whether you believed you were going to make it here or not, you're going to walk across the stage and you're going to get a diploma. That diploma is either going to hang on a wall and be the peak of your accomplishment, which is where the whole apex concept came Mm -hmm. from. This is either going to be your apex, Mm -hmm. which means that after this point, there's no direction to go but down Mm -hmm. because that's the highest point of any path or object. Mm -hmm. Or... You can take it and run with yeah. it. Figure out what's next. And if what's next isn't what you expected, shiv it, move on mm-hmm. to the next thing, and just keep moving. Mm-hmm. But creating like I, that legacy that if you come from a place that traditionally your last name has not meant positive things, mm-hmm. you can be the one to shift that culture change. And you shifted it. You know, mm-hmm. you took it. Maybe, and the thing is, is that low income and stuff like that, that doesn't mean that your last name has negative connotations or anything no, like that. Not at all. My dad was one of the first ones in his family to go to mm-hmm. school as well. Um, outside, well, my his older sister beat him. Janet went yeah. to school. Um, but my family's 90% blue collar. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all farmers, mechanics, mm-hmm. all workers and stuff. Which and, I, I might add, had, um, 90% blue collar is a great livelihood. There's oh, absolutely yeah. nothing to to look down at on that. And but we're actually starting it. a legacy mm-hmm. in that blue collar space. Oh yeah, my uncle uh, that owns Can South Automotive mm-hmm. has people that have been bringing their cars to him since the '80s yeah. because they believe in what he does. And and what we're actually starting a new show called the Working Class Hump, uh-huh. right? And so it's kind of a play on Hump Day, but it's um, an acronym. And the acronym is escaping me currently. But the the plan is taking people. Um, that are upper level, either upper level executives um, or like we, we've interviewed an ESPN announcer mm-hmm. at this point and taking them and, and, and talking about how they still believe in those working class concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, we just inter- we're going to be interviewing a gentleman that talked about in his pre-interview about what it was like being on welfare and living in a house with the electricity shut right. off and how he still adheres to those values that he learned then now in his suite as he flies around right but it's bringing people back that no one ever forgets that blue collar route and that's kind of the key that gives the upper level work absolutely one of the things that i shared um several colleagues is i never knew i was poor until i went to college Mm -hmm. because we were a happy loving family that spent time together and that's really all you need to be successful Right. Um, but then you start devi- defining what things you want out of life, and that allows you to leverage the things that you know and what you do. One of my favorite success stories from a business standpoint um, is discount tire. Do we have discount tires in this area? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's I'm a couple. not sure if you're aware of that. They have created a culture, which I would even say is much like your uncle's culture at um, – what did you say, Ken? Ken South, South Automotive, yeah. Their culture is everyone who works for Discount Tire has the potential to own their own store. Every, mm. And own their own store and to be a manager of that store with a 
six-figure revenue or a six-figure income. And mm-hmm. if you go there and have a tire change or have new tires or even change, put have your the air checked on your tires, you are going to be met with such devoted service and it is a genuine desire to make you feel better. And right. there is, I have never been there and I have taken many a car to a discount tire. I have never been there and been disappointed by the customer service that people provide mm. because they're always looking at taking care of you because their next step is to be in charge mm. and to teach those concepts to the people. Under them. Right. I, I love being in that environment. Yeah, I think that that, that that's amazing. I didn't know that. I'm definitely going to do some research into into discount tire. That's that's cool. That's a really cool concept. Um, So we're going to just wrap this up here and I'll end it. And we kind of talked about legacy and your biggest investments of time and everything like that. We'll talk about to wrap it up. If you had to give a piece of advice to um, a driven person about to enter the world of entrepreneurship or just the workplace, what advice would that be? And what advice should they ignore if they're trying to enter that world of entrepreneurship? Well, that's a, that's a big question, tough question. And um, it's a question that I could probably spend an hour on. Right. So I'm going to yeah. try to shorten that. Um, and I'll use a story. Um, quick story. Parable. It's not really a parable because it re- reflects Apex. It reflects you. Okay. Okay. One of the things that I say is the foundation of any growth of any organization is your ability to reach a community who sees value in what you do. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Newsletters, um, posting, et cetera. I think right. one of the major things you can do is what you're doing and having a podcast that can go out to a community and that communicate community having a better understanding of what you're doing and what solutions you're bringing to marketplace so if that podcast is creating a general education to a group of people a community of folks um, you're now starting to be perceived as a thought leader now that i have a connection to you by being in your community whenever i have a desire for a a thought leader i'm going to reach out to somebody i'm familiar with the person who's Mm -hmm. doing the podcast the person who's doing the newsletter, the person who's out there on the front end saying, let me give you solutions without wanting anything back. Um, I think the world today is filled with too many Googleologists where they will Google everything (laughs) and think that they have the answer to some of their challenges. And they don't have the bandwidth, if you will, to make all the connections. By having a podcast, by having some type of community and you're teaching and educating that community, you're automatically building in a marketing plan for people who may want to do what you're doing or utilize your service. I say that there's a, I I talk about marketing 401 and and I call it IEEO, interrupt people's thinking. You do that with the podcast. You interrupt what Mm -hmm. they're thinking today and bringing new thoughts into their mind. You engage them. You ask some questions, you allow them to comment on your podcast. Then you educate them by giving them new concepts, innovative solutions to problems they may have had in the past. And then you make an offer, an offer to try us out, try this on, see if it fits you. And if Mm -hmm. so, they become 
a fan for life. And when they become a fan for life, they become part of your tribe. And when they become part of your tribe, you can go anywhere with it. That's awesome. I love that. So um, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. I know that we've got um, our separate ways. We've got to go here at 1030. But um, that, was, that, was, that was a perfect way to kind of wrap up everything is just what I – and we've talked about this a couple of times in the, in the past year or two, that the true belief is adding value. You really do. If you can bring value to somebody's life and change their – you know, you can interrupt that pathway that they're on, like you mm-hmm. said, and, and change that um, pathway mm-hmm. for them for the better it's a lot easier than them running into a wall and having to shiv it themselves. Exactly. <laughs> right. Most definitely. If we can kind of help them along and push them in the right direction, it's a lot easier than them running into the wall. And I, I think that that's just what apex is trying to do. It's what you've done and continue to do is adding value to people's lives. Well, hope we've been able to add some value to your, your audience and your listeners. And um, if I can ever be of help. I'm easily reached at, Ed at edspeaks.com and um, let me know if I can never be of service to you, my friend. Perfect. Okay. And for those of you listening, keep chasing that apex.